Welcome, welcome, welcome. Our, how are you doing, Malcolm? All good, man. It's happy Monday. Happy Monday, happy Monday. And it's Monday, meaning it is time for Manage Your Damn Money with myself, Ben, and my wonderful co-host, Malcolm. Malcolm, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. What's up, everybody? Malcolm Etheridge here, licensed financial advisor, all-around good guy. Absolutely. I can say that myself. Absolutely. And I'm, of course, your co-host, Ben Carter, uh, co-creator of Manage Your Damn Money. And you're watching the show where we trade in bullet point personal finance advice for casual, pop-culturally relevant conversations to mine the inspirational stories and golden nuggets that push us past the fear typically associated with tackling our financial, creative, and entrepreneurial goals. And that's what we do on this show. Uh, We got a really exciting show today. Uh, We are welcoming an actual NFL player to the set today. It's exciting. That is exciting. Active NFL player. His name is uh, Jerome Cuplin. And we're going to talk to him about the business of being an NFL player. But before we get to that, we've got headlines. (laughs) Headlines. um, I think I'm doing quite well with the sound effects. Okay. Okay. Uh, First of all, last night, a little bit of Oscar debacle. Oscars pulled a Steve Harvey, handed out the wrong award to the wrong uh, movie folks. You know what, though? At least they got it right. At least they got it right. I don't know. They they corrected it. So, Malcolm, you weren't watching live, but I was watching live, and they announced La La Land as, like, the best picture. Right. And I kind of went to my phone and just continued what I was doing, but the TV was still on. And then I noticed there was, like, a commotion, like, happening on the screen. I was like, wait, wait a minute. Um, So those of you who haven't seen it, you can go and look it up. Oscars debacle. I'm sure it's on Google. Uh, But it was pretty funny, pretty interesting. Uh, I was up for another hour and a half on Twitter. (laughs) It, may, it makes it easier for them, though, that Steve Harvey already, like, set the tone for messing that up. It was like, oh, we've seen this before. Right. So now nobody's, like, as shocked and it's not as much of an outrage. If it had not been for Steve Harvey, that whole situation would have been way worse. Absolutely. Um, but we already had context for that. So, you know, it's all good. Um, but uh, congratulations to all those, I guess, Oscar winners, you know whatever that means uh, <laughs> and um, our first story um, that we're talking about today in our headlines um, was a story written in Forbes by uh, Karsten Strauss uh, and it was called what is driving the gig economy uh, Malcolm you actually sent me this story the gig economy is kind of like the freelance economy that we live in where you can like go and do something for a day right. and get paid like Uber I think if you drive for Uber would be considered part of the gig economy right. um, they have re- websites like TaskRabbit where you can like go and clean somebody's basement out for a day or two and you'll get paid um, and so it's the rise of the people who can actually make a living by doing a lot of different things right. uh, part of the story was um, LinkedIn predicts by the year 2020, 43% of the U.S. workforce will be made up of workers who freelance. And that's like a huge number, 43%. Well, so that goes along with the theme of the show that we've been having for a good while now, where we've been talking about like turning your passion into a side hustle. Right. And then your side hustle into a career. Absolutely. There's like what you just said, what, 43%, I think, of American workers who have either a side hustle or their full career is out of picking up uh, situational kind of work, which is actually very interesting. Because Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's one of the interesting things about it for me personally is wondering, that could be absolutely a pathway to like wealth, mm-hmm. but then the other side of the coin is if you're doing too many things, I actually had a conversation with someone 
a couple, several months ago, almost a, maybe almost a year ago now, where we talked, we talked about the instability <laughs> and insecurity of freelancing like that, sure, and how that can be like a, a de- to a, a detriment to society as a whole. Uh, oh. Well, in that if you're freelancing all the time, you don't have the security of a full-time job. I see. Okay. And so if you don't have that full-time job and you're always hustling, then you're like stressed out about like, what's my next dollar? Where's my next dollar coming from? That's why you talk people into giving you long-term deals. Yeah. Well, that is certainly, you try to do that as much as you can. Uh, a long-term deal would be wonderful. But for instance, this is a perfect example. Uh, Uber is now, I think, piloting. Like I saw somebody on TV who had taken an actual... Uh, the driverless driverless ride. ride like actually in real life not pilot like he went to a Chicago airport got in a car and there was no driver it was an Uberless Uber u- driverless Uber and he said it was great so here's a question I have mm-hmm. once the robots take all of our jobs <laughs> how do we protest that because you can't have a guy standing out there saying they're trying to take our jobs if a robot took your job like they're not gonna hear you screaming and shouting and they don't have the the heart. wiring the hard the, the wiring heart. to care the soul right? at least not yet so how are we going to protest that when a robot shows up and starts doing this radio show for example like what do you do so you know i i, I think we're in trouble if that does absolutely. take hold but i think it's going to be a long time before i am robot becomes a real concept absolutely absolutely um some real quick stats with the uh store uh, from the story again uh the number of workers enrolled in pension plans at private U.S. firms has fallen from 60% in 1982, so 60% of folks were enrolled in some kind of uh, pension plan, to only 14% today, which means uh, people are saving less for retirement um, and, and, and less for long-term financial insecurity. Um, and then between 2000 and 2012, the median family income in the U.S. dropped 8%, while the average rent price climbed 13%. So there's like a lot of forces that are like working against you know, the average American, especially if things are moving towards this freelance space. But I think that makes the case for why you need the gig economy, why you need side hustles. Quote okay. Unquote. So, for example, like you can go online right now to uh, I can't remember the, sign, the site off the top of my head right now, but there's a site that we were just looking at that was on Business Insider where you can literally go and learn how to like code in Python specifically. Right. You can learn how to make apps for the iOS 10 database specifically you can learn uh, the ins and outs of photography and like these are classes you can take for 10 20 50 200 dollars and learn how to become proficient and be an expert and then go on like freelancer.com sign up for a gig and you've got like two thousand dollars of income you've added for that month by completing that project where you literally just learned how to do this thing right. two months ago. Because the courses, I mean, you know, it could take you a weekend if you're diligent or it could take you a month, but they're designed to get you into the workforce as quickly as possible. And so, like, things like that are what you can use to kind of supplement some of those market forces you're talking about that are kind of working against us. Where right. Like rent is going up, but your right. paycheck isn't. Meanwhile, making the university system obsolete. Well, yeah, that too. I mean, I think the university system is making itself obsolete, but that's a different conversation for, <laughs> for a different day. Right. Um, but that that's what I find interesting. Like, you can become an expert almost overnight in almost anything now. Right, right. And the story also, the Forbes story also went on to talk about um, unemployment has also influenced job seekers' decisions to seek opportunities in the freelance market. According to the LinkedIn study or information that was cited in the story, the average length of unemployment today is longer than 25 weeks in the year 20,000 uh, 20, year 2000 <laughs> it was 12 weeks 
And in 1980, the average for your unemployment time was only 8.5 weeks. So from 1980, it went from 8.5 weeks of unemployment on average. Um, in 2000, it went up to about 12 weeks. And then now in more recent times, it's up to longer than 25 weeks of being unemployed, where you're kind of looking for other ways to make money. I think that has a little bit more to do with more and more millennials entering the workforce, too. Because, okay. you know, we have completely disrupted the way you think about being an employee. Sure. So where a lot of times folks would, you know, be employed for longer periods because they're trying to find an employer to go work for and they're kind of hanging out their resume and going to, to uh, events and that sort of thing where our generation kind of said, you know, the job market sucks. I'm going to create one. <laughs> you know, and, and now all of a sudden you don't have so many people reporting themselves as unemployed because they figured out something to pick up right. to go, you know, get working on. So Right. So here's a question for you, Malcolm. Sure. Um, you just kind of hit on it a little bit. How, how, how do we feel about the fact that like the nature more and more, I think especially because we're millennials, we were exposed so much. We're definitely pushed towards the quote unquote entrepreneurship lane. Mm -hmm. um, and it's definitely having an influence. Do, do we think that's going to be like a bad thing or a good thing, especially with the item or the notion that it might be in, in, in unstable sometimes? Yeah. Um, I can say myself as an entrepreneur. Uh, you don't always know when your next meal or where your next meal is coming from. So the question is, like, does that have a long term effect on the way that, you know, we're able to save, make a living? You know, it does it delay the, the home buying process, which is obviously a milestone uh, for most people starting families, et cetera. Like, how does that impact those kinds of things for, for the millennial generation? I think you have to embrace it for one. OK, you have to either be in the lane that says, you know, the gig economy is a real thing and I embrace it as a place that I want to be and like diligently work at a craft that you can, you know, do on the weekends and get paid supplemental income for. Right. And then eventually you secure enough contracts that you make it into a real thing. Or another one of my favorite things to say is create some irreplaceable skills. Okay. So certain industries can't have a gig economy. Like, for example, mine is finance healthcare, uh, the legal profession, things like that is really hard to freelance in right. because they're just so conservative that they don't have a lot of room for outsiders, if you will. They barely have room to move inside of the corporations themselves. Absolutely. So in a place like that, having an irreplaceable skill that they have to continuously you know, keep you around even as they're kind of shrinking support staff and that kind of thing right. kind of gives you some built-in job security. But um, for folks who are in other fields, like you know media and telecom and right. you know web design stuff like that i think you have to fully embrace that gig economy right. and actually make it work to your advantage like because then you can kind of build up your resume your, your book of clients right. with jobs that you've done projects that you've done and keep kind of tapping the well over and over interesting to recurring income interesting interesting i don't know i'm still i'm kind of torn myself because i definitely see how the discussion that i was referring to earlier i can mm -hmm. see how the, again, the instability of knowing where your next meal is coming from, if a large portion of the population is doing that, the millennial population especially, right. um, they're not quite able to really participate in some of the normal things that we do sure. uh, as, quote unquote, you know, people in America, like buying homes, starting families. Already we know millennials are like at a ridiculous rate starting families much later, um, buying homes much later and all these things, you know, maybe they are important, maybe they're not as important as we thought they were. Um, but it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens in terms of society as a whole. But those people you're talking about who are kind of the 
the the standard, if mm-hmm. you're, they're the rule, not the exception. Mm-hmm. Those people will never know what it's like to work from their laptop on the beach, or <laughs> to IPO a company that they created from scratch and sold for a hundred billion dollars, right? Like, so there's a trade-off in there. Like, you can do it. There's a long road to those things. The, I understand that. I'm not making it. I hope I'm not making it sound like it's something that happens overnight. Right. But I just mean, you know, if that's what your vision is, mm-hmm. then stay in, that stay in that path. But if you're somebody who wants to do it completely differently and says, I don't have to do it the way my parents and grandparents did it because who cares? Then, you know, understand that, yes, it is going to suck in the very beginning. It'll hurt a little bit. But you get to do something that a lot of Americans never will get to do. Kind of like being a professional athlete. Speaking of, we have a professional athlete here in studio. He's sitting right to the right. right? That that was was kind of cute how you did that. I I thought so. Now, if we were about to bring him on, that would have been even better. All right, you just shot it back. Um, But anyway, we're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, um, we'll we'll wrap this conversation up. And then we're actually going to get into a little bit of the stats uh, related to professional athletes. So that was actually a very good... uh, what do you call that? Segway. Right? Segway. There we go. Segway. Very good, Malcolm. See, look at you. <laughs> Catching on quick. It's only the third week, third show. Uh, and when we come back, Eighth we'll... Uh... spell and be champ, boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so we're going to take a real quick music break. Here, another a track from uh, our in-house producer, Beats by Beeman. And when we come back, we'll start talking about the conversation at hand, the business of being a professional athlete. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back here in the studio. Thank you guys for joining us. And real quick, I just want to make sure all of you who are watching right now who are trying to figure out how can you help us keep this show on the air, because as you can see, we still aren't canceled, so that must mean we're doing something right. Uh, You can help support the show by buying my co... (laughs) By buying my co-host book, uh, A Completely Untrue Story About Money friends and moscow mules it's a great book written by ben carter sitting here to my left um so you guys after the show goes off please check out amazon.com pick up a copy of the book help support the show because it does cost a good bit of money to keep this stuff running so thank you brother i appreciate that (laughs) i really appreciate that uh absolutely absolutely so um you can also make sure you follow us at mydm1 and then also malcolm on money that's both on instagram and on twitter uh but the conversation at hand here today on manage your damn money uh is the business of being a professional athlete um there's a lot of news speculation around or recently the trade deadline just passed um but around carmelo anthony leaving the new york knicks uh demarcus cousins was was uh traded immediately after the nba all-star game from sacramento kings to 
New Orleans Pelicans, so that was like a big deal because he found out as he was giving like an interview after the All Star game. Somebody whispered in his ear, "Ear, you've been traded to the, to the Pelicans." Uh, and then often, young we know that young athletes romanticize about the possibility of playing in pro sports, but what's often not discussed is the cutthroat nature and the business of playing as a pro athlete and how athletes sometimes mismanage their large incomes. Um, of course, we know this is like a problem, Malcolm. We always hear the stories of like this or that athlete going broke or filing for bankruptcy. Right. Um, we did a show a while ago on one of the old podcasts that we did. Uh, Miles, who was Miles? The guy who did the knuckle hands miles for the clippers he played with lamar odom uh back in the 2000s at some point um but he filed for bankruptcy um according to a sports illustrated story a while ago 78 percent of nfl players national football league players um and an estimated 60 percent of the nba players national basketball association players go bankrupt or are under financial stress in just two years and five years respectively after they retire so there's like a good percentage of the folks who um play in the leagues um, specifically the nba and the um, nfl especially the nfl is kind of unique because that's the one of the only leagues that doesn't have guaranteed contracts right. um so that adds to the i guess instability and insecurity um but like what do you think about that just that that's kind of like a function of the business that you have a lot of people who come and go really quickly and don't really get a chance to like you know get their finances straight to the point where it I lasts. think it's a perfect storm of a lot of bad things okay like because so the NFL is like the most dangerous sports league in America right absolutely but they're the only ones who don't have guaranteed contracts right so they literally put their lives on the line when they go out there to play right and the teams don't honor that commitment with right. a guaranteed contract right like where you know we can we can kind of take that back so that I mean that's like problem number one uh-huh. but then also the fact that like once you do uh, strike it rich right let's right. say the, that way then you don't have uh the same level of security as everybody else as far as like the pension plan that the NFL has, the right. 401k options that they have. Right. So I think there's a lot of things that need to change around. You know, the, the, I'm going to use the NFL specifically, uh, right. you know, uh, as a whole. But I think the first thing is just kind of like a change of culture. Absolutely. So you have a lot of guys who have come through the league. You know, everybody's not going to be Ray Lewis or Peyton Manning and get right. to play for 17, 18 years. Right. But if you do manage to make it in onto a 53-man roster, the league right. minimum is like 435 38 something like that, uh-huh. uh, $1,000. Mm-hmm. That's plenty of money in comparison right. to the way, you know, you and I entered the workforce at Absolutely. 23 or 4 or whatever, you know, a rookie is. It's almost like, especially if you're not one of those, like, major stars coming out, of college and you're not getting one of those major contracts out the gate it's really only a couple years especially with the nfl specifically the nba you can float around and make some money for many years like there are many people who just rode benches for a decade (laughs) right? right um but in the nfl specifically it's almost like a situation where you get your couple of years worth of checks you save them and you leave that as the base for your like jumping on to a new career whatever that might be after the fact right because something you and i have talked about a lot is like Pro athletes live their lives inverse to the way most Americans are going to live. This right? is a huge 
issue and element of being a pro athlete. So, like, the average person doesn't actually hit their maximum earnings potential until they hit, like, 60 years old or something, right? Right. That's and when they're like, most valuable. And then, for the next 10 years, you make the most money you can make in your lifetime. Right. And a, a pro athlete is the opposite. They make the most of their money in their first 10 years out of college. Absolutely. And then have to figure out a way to make that money last the next 50 or so years. Right. I mean, that's a hell of a problem to have. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, <laughs> like, I would love to have that issue. Right. But... I wasn't good enough to make anybody's 53-man roster. So <laughs> I, I, I just think it's important that people understand that part first. Like, you got all these different things tugging on you. You got your high school coach calling you saying, I need a new car. Right. You got your girlfriend calling you saying, I need some new shoes. Mom and dad are saying, you know, what you going to do, son? I, you know, I came to every game. Uh, you know, I was front row center. I was right. the biggest cheerleader. What are you, you going to do for dad? Right. Now, you know, you got to figure out a way to balance all these different responsibilities with right. looking out for your own interests. So I think, uh, you know, it's an extremely tough situation to be in. Absolutely. It's a, a tough equation, but I think um, it, it's one of those that we can't just keep talking about, oh, poor so-and-so. I can't believe they did them like that. There has to be a way to kind of fix some of that. Um, Absolutely. Um, an interesting story from a 2013 Newsday story that I was just looking at. Um, a, a player, kind of a veteran player, his name is Antonio Cromartie, um, was interviewed in 2013. And he said he, in his first two years, he blew through, he's a defensive back. Mm -hmm. um, he blew through $5 million in two years. He was buying all kinds of things. The story said he had like several cars. Yeah, I think he had eight the, or nine. To eight or nine, and to the point where he didn't remember two or three of them. Yeah. Um, uh, Antonio also has like a good number of children. Uh, so that's that's. I don't know how many it is now, but. Some, he, he has a good, double digits, whatever. He's, he's in double digits with that's the kids. That's where his money's going. Um, and he, he talked about in the story how at, after those first two years, his attitude flipped. Yeah. He said he sold all his stuff, sold his cars, and then bought a Prius. Chad Johnson says the same thing. What did he like say? Like his first two or three years, he was down on South Beach stunting. And like it occurred to him, like, you know, what do I need three Lamborghinis for? <laughs> like, like there was one weekend he flew out to a game. Uh, in like LA or, uh, or, or Oakland maybe uh, bought a brand new car drove the car around for a day and then right. left the car at the airport in the parking lot <laughs> and he's like you know I just threw away a hundred thousand dollars just because like, just just no I could do it right. and then it finally occurred to him you know three years in like this isn't forever right. you know I, I need to actually do something with this money and now he's like the cheapest man in Miami Florida like <laughs> driving around in a Fiat and he's like pulling up to all these red carpet events it's really funny to see because like he gets out and like a brand new spanking right. nice looking tuxedo right. and you're like oh who is that who is that and you're like Chad Johnson like, what is Ocho Cinco doing in a brown Fiat right, like right. you know what I mean but right. the the mind shift happens at some point where like the switch goes off and says oh man this money isn't forever like I gotta right. actually change some habits but unfortunately the average player is like three the average lifespan of a or career span right. of a player is only three and a half years right so especially in the NFL specifically turn that around. well I'm talking NFL specifically some right. people get a little bit extra time because right. like you said you can kind of float around the NBA and right. if you can make you know 80% of your free throws you can make a roster <laughs> in the NBA like that's a little bit different um, but not everybody can tackle you right. know uh, you know what I feel like if I was three inches taller and I like I could have played college ball certainly. Okay. But the problem is I had a problem with the tackling thing. So like, <laughs> you know that that's where it kind of lost. Deion me. Sanders made a career you know, of not I've, tackling, I've so it is I've possible. I've, obviously, I've, I've right? I patterned like, my game as a high school defensive back. Okay. After Deion Sanders, okay. I was not trying to tackle. Push nobody. him out of bounds. You know it wasn't really decisions. my thing. I was like 145 pounds then. It was like I I can't hit you. 
what, I'm, what I look like trying to hit you. And I got a Rydell helmet and my head hurts. <laughs> so, like, what, what? In that case, I'm glad you're sitting here with me and not out there on the field. So, uh, I decided I'll become a show host of an online TV show called Manager Damn Money. You know what's interesting, though? So, I was reading a while ago about Bart Scott, right? Like, okay. I really love Bart, Bart Scott, his attitude, his energy. Who's like, Bart Scott? Bart Scott used to play for the Baltimore Ravens, played linebacker. And then went to the New York Jets um, for like two or three years. Um, but Bart Scott was a really great player, but a lot of people probably don't know. He graduated college with a degree in econ. Oh, wow. And so he, he said that like the best thing that happened to him was on draft night. His parents, like at the end of the draft, pulled him aside and said, look, son, we're not expecting a dollar from you. Right. The best thing you can do is go out there on the field play your butt off and give us something to brag about. That's all we want from you. <laughs> right. And so, like, he was able to, he said that, like, took so much of a burden off his shoulders because a lot of times guys will expect that they have to do things for the people Absolutely. around them. Absolutely. He's like, if my mom and dad aren't looking for a dime from me, then everybody else can kick rocks. Right. Absolutely. So now he's actually using his, like, econ degree going around the NFL teaching young rookies and sophomore players how to be smarter wow. about their money, which I think is an awesome thing. Absolutely. There, there should be more of that. Marshawn Lynch is another guy. Right. Like, people yeah. say, like, being in the locker room with him, he'll pass around little nuggets of wisdom. Like, right. this is what I'm doing with my money today. Right. Here's what you should be, you know, that, that kind of thing. So Absolutely. Um, real quick, before we go to break, um, if you can answer in a couple, a couple minutes, uh, what considering that earning curve that we talked about where mm -hmm. athletes make money on the front end of their lifespan, what's the right attitude to have when stepping into like the athletic career? Like, like where do you start your, your, where, where does your mind have to start off at to be successful, to make it last such that you can live comfortably for a little while and then maybe get into a new career after the fact. So that's, that's a good, a good one. So Ryan Broles, Plays for the Lions. Okay. He got drafted by the Houston Texans, I want to say. Okay. Our, our fact checkers in the studio can get me on that one. But I, I think it was the Houston Texans. Uh -huh. So Ryan Broles is a guy who, like, same thing we were talking about. He got in the league, got all this money in his hands. I think he signed, like, a $3.5 million deal okay. as a rookie. And, you know, bought a few things, started living it up, and it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, somebody got in his ear. He got set up with a financial advisor, and that person was like, you don't need to spend all this money in one day. Right. So he actually sat down with his advisor, and he and his wife now have – a $60,000 annual budget. Okay. So him and his wife, millionaires, Only are spend. living off of $60,000 right. on, an, on an annual basis. And right. So that's probably equivalent after tax of what, like $95,000, maybe $100,000. Right. And they bought one car. They wow. share a car. Right. They actually have a budget that they live off of. And he said they don't sacrifice things. They eat out and have fun with their friends and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But he knows that he's going to be able to actually... Uh, have something left over right. at the end of the day once he's no longer able to play football. He's been in the league like 10 years now, so right. it's worked out perfectly for him. But like that was his attitude his second year in the league. Absolutely. He's been living off that same 60 grand since, uh, I mean, each year. He's been right, living right, off 60 right. grand a year, he and his right. wife. And he's banking the rest. His, right, and he's banking the rest. So that right. then allows you to propel yourself into another right. career right. where and you, also be comfortable along the way be not, very comfortable along yeah. the way not worried about you know i have to go sign this contract extension because right. i need the money <laughs> and you know my last one is going to get me right. to whatever right, right, right um right. you kind of set yourself up in the beginning and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. absolutely absolutely so um we're going to take another quick music break but when we come back we're going to bring jerome jerome cutlin onto the uh set so he can talk to us and give us some actual real life experience of 
uh, everything that he's doing. So we'll be right back here on Manage Your Damn Money. Carter, your co-host along on the other side. That's Malcolm Etheridge. And in the middle, we got a young man. I said Jerome. <laughs> I said Jerome. <laughs> I said Jerome. <laughs> I said Jerome's in the house. Watch your mouth. What's up, man? Not much. What's going on? Nothing much. Nothing much. So, uh, first of all, how about you just introduce yourself? Who are you? The person Jerome Couplin, and tell us a little tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, you know, my name is Jerome Couplin III. Uh, born in D.C., raised in up Marlboro, Maryland, PG County. Uh, went to Bishop McElroy High School, okay. public school, growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, went on to go to uh, the College of Wayne Murray, uh, graduating four and a half years, and you know now we are where we are today. Okay, excellent. Where'd you get excellent. your degree in? Kinesiology and health science with okay. health science concentration. Okay. Oh wow. All right. Well, he's smart too. <laughs> so you can heal yourself up. Uh, something like that. Build you a hyperbaric <laughs> chamber. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, so we, we got you here because you play in the NFL. Um, and the NFL is definitely one of those things that, you know, especially as a kid, you grow up. I have people who I went to high school with. Um, it's definitely a dream uh, to play and play on that level. Can you tell me, is it all that you imagined in terms of what it was? Give me like a, like a comparison between what it was that you thought it was coming up through high school into college and through into the league, um, or is it something different? Like, give me those two perspectives. Uh, I mean, you know, boys club, high school, it seemed like it's so far away. Right. Uh, you know, you have these grown, ad, grown men, you know, doing these wonderful things. And, um, you know, it just seems like, you know, that gap is really big. And then the closer you get there, my dad will always remind me in, in college, you know, hey, this safety is such and such weight and height. You know, you're about his size already. Wow. You know, you might not be as, you know, mature, you know, physically yet, but, you know, you're pretty much there. Right. And, you know, as that window got closer and closer to re- realization, then I realized, wow, you know, there's a chance. Right. And, you know, just being there, uh, I want to say, just walking on that field the first time, you know, with a uniform on, it's an experience that you can't really explain. You can't really bottle it in because it's just, it's overwhelming. Right. But, you know, it's like, wow, all that time, you know, it took to get there. Right. It finally paid off. Right, right. So why don't you tell us real quick, give us a real quick recap of your, uh, like, progression so far, like who you were drafted by and then where you played since. Well, you know, I had the benefit of going undrafted. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it makes my journey that much better. Uh-huh. Uh, so you made a team. Yeah, undrafted uh, by the Detroit Lions in okay. 2014. Uh, went on to uh, be one of two undrafted rookies to make the roster that year. 
Uh, was fortunate to play in a few games that year. Kind of bounced up and down midway through the season, uh, practice squad, getting claimed by other teams, et cetera. Um, later in the year, Philly came in and called me off the practice squad. So that's how I ended up getting to Philly. I uh, thought it was switch. I yeah. thought you were in Philly first. No, nah, I was in Detroit first. Oh, okay. Then I went on with the Philly. Uh, they signed me at the end of the year, finished the year there. Uh, went into my second year at Philly. Uh, was fortunate to make the after roster again that year. Uh, played the first eight games of the season. Uh, suffered a in, 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 uh, season-ending injury. Uh, you know, so I had to rehab and take care of all that. Uh, going into last offseason, was still kind of banged up. So I spent pretty much all last year just rehabbing, getting my body back to where it needs to be. Okay. And fortunately, I got a call at the end of the year by the Rams. You come out, you know, work me out, and then I didn't come back. Oh, nice. uh, you know, spent the last two weeks out there, and then after the last game, they decided to sign me to a future deal. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm glad you're not in Philly anymore. So, you know, you being a hometown guy, I love the root for the home for the for the hometown guys, right? Like McNamara's right up the street from where I grew up. Right? Okay. So Love the root for the hometown guys, but as a Cowboys fan, I can't root for Eagles <laughs> ever, 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 right? Like, the reason oh, I love, man. like, Navarro, for example, is because he's all the way in San Francisco. He's not going to be in our division. I don't have to worry about it. I can root for him. So now I'm glad you're out in L.A. I imagine you are, too. But, you know, that, that's a positive for me personally. Right. So I, I'll be on your, uh, you know, uh, on your uh, uh, fan wall now. Okay. Uh, I appreciate Philly, that. As a Philly player, man, I just can't bring myself to do it. Speaking of LA, uh, you're going, you're going to play for the St. Louis Rams. Oh, excuse me, Los Angeles Rams. Mm-hmm. Um, are you excited about that, right. Los Angeles? Yeah, I mean, that was my first time really going to the West and being out there for that long, even though you know the two and a half weeks. Okay. So uh, you know, uh, I took it all the time. The weather was amazing. You know, it, there was some rain, even though people kept telling me it never rains there. That's uh, a lie. Yeah, that was a lie. <laughs> um, the food was great. Uh, everybody out there is—it's not really as reserved as it is over here. Like everyone over there is kind of a lot more relaxed and just right. live life and right. you know do whatever they want. So absolutely. you know, it's different. It's a culture change, but I'm excited. Absolutely, absolutely. As a resident Californian, we are very chill. Um, <laughs> you so have anyway, drag out that chill too. Right? Yeah, you yeah, have to. It's requirement. So. Real, Jerome, a question I got for you, kind of to get into like the meat of our show. Uh, you've been in the studio, so I know you caught some of it. So, like, because your agent Chris Coy is a friend of the show, I know his mo is like preparing his guys for life after football, right? Mm-hmm. So, talk to me a little bit about that kind of plan. Like, do you think? there's a certain point in your career when you should start thinking about what your next move is going to be? Is that like day one, you sit down and you start really drafting that out? Or, you know, when is too soon or too late to start figuring that out? Uh, Honestly, I kind of think, you know, that it kind of depends on everyone's situation. Okay. You know, you have some, like you said, fortunate, you know, go first round. So you kind of guarantee a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You have guys who go undrafted, you know, you're living week to week. Right. So it kind of, you know, varies. I would say, um, you know, it should be something in the back of your head regardless because you never know. Like, they always say the NFL is not for long. Okay. So, you know, one injury, your career could be over, you right. know, or one dumb mistake and you go get the DUI now because, you know, they're cracking down on that stuff now. So, right. you kind of never really know, but at the same time, don't walk around saying, oh, that won't be me. Right, Because, right. like, a lot of times, that person never planned or thought that, you know, they would be put in that situation. Right, right. So, it's something that you just kind of kind of have it back in your head, but at the same time, don't let it control what you're doing because then it's going to distract you from what your tra- your main goal is, which is to perform on the field okay. and, you know, do things in the community and stuff like that. So, you use time like this, the off-season, to kind of work on those Yeah, you kind of you kind of look at it, but at the same time, whatever you were doing to get to this point, you had to do something 
as sort of a plan B anyway. Right. Well, I would hope you did. Right. Rather, you know, school or some, some type of investments. You know, some people. But you will hope that at some point, you know, you kind of click that switch of like, okay, I can't play football at 45 or right. I can't play right. it at 50. You know, some people don't even make it to 30. Right. You know, a lot of guys are retiring now and at 30 these days. Right. So you just kind of, you know, you got to listen to your body, but at the same time, you know your mental, where you're at, and, you know, kind of how things are going as well. Right, right, right. Uh, so... I have a real quick like story that's gonna lead to a question, but when I was like in high school, I think I knew it was like a family friend. Mm -hmm. It was a family friend of a guy named Ryan, and Ryan played, if I remember correctly, on the national championship team with Florida University. Okay. Um. So he was a DB. He he was so he afterward he was like a fifth year graduate student on that team. Uh, he went on to, you know, try to make a team as a, uh, I guess, as an undrafted player. Mm-hmm. Um, and he came back to California after a couple of the preseason games, and it was like Thanksgiving. And I asked Ryan, I said, I said, Ryan, so like I was a kid, and he was like, you know, probably like 23 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so how was it playing in the NFL? And, and he, this is legit was his reaction. He said, man. It's a business. Yeah. <laughs> and and he didn't say nothing after that. And I was like, well, that was lackluster. I was expecting a lot more, actually. Uh, so t- t- explain to me, give me, tell me what Ryan was saying when he was saying it's a business and then shook his head and then kind of like what like what's behind that kind of statement? Uh, well, I mean, you have the guys, like you said, fortunate to get the draft right. and, you know, to kind of. Get guaranteed, you know, a couple of years of here and there, and you have the guys like he said, undrafted, you know, who you can go from being fortunate to make a team to the next week you get cut because right. you know you have no guaranteed money, you have no stability to keep you there. Right. Uh, you have the guys, you know, who are bouncing around practice squads. They might be on practice squad here one week, practice squad here another week, um, and all people see is you know the Sunday games, and you know people aren't looking at oh. The 90 man roster that eventually gets cut down to 53. That's a lot of that's a lot you know, of people getting it's cut. It's huge. And it happens within like two weeks. It's wow. like boom, boom. Wow. So it's like people don't really see that aspect of it. They just see, oh, you're in the NFL, you sign for X, Y, and Z. But you know, everyone's not making, you know, the Tom Brady's and right. all that type of money. Right. You know, you um I wanna say me and Chris were talking about it, was it last year before, I think when I was in Philly, and we were saying how like I want to say only 17 people out of a 90-man roster was scheduled to even make a million dollars. Wow. Like, for that season. Wow. Just only 17 people out of That's a 90-man roster. right there. So, a lot of people are thinking like, oh, you're in the NFL, you sign this, this, and that. But it's like, I'm not seeing this, this, and that. Right. Or, you know, you're not looking at the fact that as a, as a NFL athlete or a professional athlete, we get taxes as this entertainment tax. There's an entertainment ta- tax? I mean, we're basically what we call it. Oh. And it's basically, you know... <laughs> Half your money's already gone. Yeah, right? you get so that's why you have guys playing. Exactly. Right? So you have guys who are fighting for that money, mm-hmm. and that's why because you know, in the, the day, I know the higher that money is, the more I might get taxed. But at the same time, uh, I'm still gonna get better off after that tax versus if I'm making a little bit of money right. and I get hit in the head. Right. You know, because either way, once you make over a certain amount of money, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. Everyone's getting taxed the same way. Absolutely. Um, real quick, uh, what was the biggest adjustment going from like the college game to the NFL? Um, the biggest was just learning to be a pro. Uh, <laughs> you go from being in a locker room with guys who are a lot more close to your age, from you know seventeen to twenty-three. Right now, you go into a locker room where you might be having somebody who's twenty-one to thirty-five plus. Right, you know that's a big <laughs> jump. And right. you know you got guys who you know have families, have kids, right. wives. You know you go from that to 
when you were in college, it was just you and the boys all the time. Y'all were the ones partying together. Y'all were always hanging together. Y'all was in study hall together. So that that probably was the biggest thing is like, is you really learn that it is a job in a sense because, you know, you have these guys who, you know, they go to work and then boom, they're with their families and wife and kids. The next day. You know, and you're sitting there like, oh, you know. Playing video games. Playing Madden. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of Madden. Watch, Using yourself watch playing Madden. <laughs> yeah, you know, a little bit here and there. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so it, this is an interesting question. Uh, you're now, like, I guess you would be a veteran. Um, or consider yeah, young, yeah, I'm a young veteran. You're a young vet. He's a young vet. <laughs> let me not put the old, let me not put the full vet on him. He's a young vet. Uh, what advice would you give like to a rookie, maybe who was coming with your similar situation where he fought to get on a roster, um, like to ma- how to manage that weekly income because you guys are paid by week, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, so, depending on the team, some teams do every other. Okay. Okay. So, very so, so how so how what would be some like just real general advice for people who are playing um, in the NFL who are coming in or coming up? I mean, well, based off my experience, uh, we'll shoot. Uh, there you go. Calvin Johnson. First thing he tells me is, what you do with that sign bonus you just got? Calvin Johnson, the uh, former wide for- receiver for the Detroit yes. Lions. And the first thing he says is, don't gamble. Hmm. Okay. He's like, as much as you can, save, 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 because you don't know, you know, when your last day will be or when your last check will be at the end of the day. So uh, that was my big thing I did my rookie year. Uh, I took the first check I got, you know, I put it to myself, you know, I was thankful for it. And then from there on, I, I had did this thing where 20% of it came to my, what I consider my, my everyday account right. and 80% of it went to my savings to where oh, I couldn't touch. Okay. Or if I touch it, I have to go through a whole lot of avenues to get to it. Right. And you, that was kind of my way of trying to plan that, plan that situation later on down the road now. Cause it's like, well, you know, if I'm already paying myself every week right. for a backup plan, rainy, you know, rainy situation, right. you know, I can live off the rest of this money. Right. Like similar to what y'all was saying about round bros, right. you know, you don't have to live off whatever hundred K or right. what, you know, every year, especially when you're somebody like me, who I have no kids, yeah. you know, I have no wife. Right. So it's just myself, you know, right. my, my bills are made personally by whatever I choose to make, not necessarily because somebody else is depending on me right now. Right, right, right. So, um, you know, that, and then I'll also say as a rookie, you know, learn how to say no. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's yeah. big. Because, you know, it's, you know, you're going to have people who come at you left and right for, you know, the smallest things, though. It won't always be money, but they'll be like, hey, let's go to the club. But they're expecting you, you right. know what I'm saying? Right, right. <laughs> the table, right? Yeah, exactly. They expect you to front everything. Or, you know, you'll have situations where you go out to eat and uh, everybody's kind of like looking at you at the table like, hey, is he going to take care of it? Or, you know. So You know what, though? <laughs> I, I read, I, I've read a few different times that, like, LeBron James makes his boys split the bill. So in my mind, LeBron mm. James is worth like what a half a billion dollars or something at this point, right? Arguably, yeah. If LeBron James, the most popular athlete in the in the world right now, arguably at least, is making his buddy split the bill, mm-hmm. who am I to go against that <laughs> that trend? Right? Like he has set the stage for me to now be a cheap guy just like him. Cause like I have a regular job, right? Mm. And I split the bill when me and my friends go out. Why would it be any different, you know, just because, you know, I have a little bit more of it than, you know, that person. So that's good to, to hear. Like, mm. it is good to, to know that from this side because we only hear the stories like we were talking about where all of a sudden you hear this dude filed for bankruptcy uh-huh. and this dude that bought 10 houses is now, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's positive to hear, like, more guys actually, like, heeding those kind of warnings and you know do you think like the veterans in the locker room like you're talking about calvin johnson we mentioned marshawn lynch bart scott guys like that do you think that a lot the culture is changing and so you're getting more of the veterans turning around and giving that kind of advice to the guys or is the league doing more to help guys learn you know to be better with their money or sort of how is that 
culture shift happening, if at all? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I can say just from my experience in Philly, uh, you know, I would go out with Malcolm Jenkins and Nolan Curl all the time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if it was a certain situation where they know that it shouldn't, it shouldn't be something I would be doing, mm-hmm. they would look at me like, hey, you know, second year, you know, you save some money. Right. But you ain't been here that long. You know? <laughs> you know? We know how much you made. You know, yeah, exactly. Technically, in a sense. So it's like, you know, be smart. Right. Then, you know, you have some vets, you know, who who will take care of certain situations. But like, hey, well, I'll pay for X, Y, and Z. Y'all mm-hmm. split this. Okay. Okay. You know, so you have those guys who, you know, who are trying to help and trying to teach you and trying to get you to understand that, you know, that money comes quick, but yeah. it also goes just as fast. Right. You know, because you think about it, you got a young guy who's coming from college. He probably didn't have a job in college, obviously, because most times we, you know, we didn't have that ability to. You yeah, know, that's the, a whole nother problem. A whole nother problem yeah. itself, exactly. <laughs> but then you know, you go from not or guys who come from nothing, mm-hmm. you know, who grind and struggle, paying the pennies from certain families, right. to now, boom, I've made it. Right. Now I'm getting this roughly fifteen to sixteen thousand dollar check every week, you know, after tax, you know, as a, as a rookie. But then now I got everyone back home who wants his money from me. So right. I'm dividing this money up, hoping whoever else helped me get to where I'm at now, right. and then doing what I want to do. Because they already have ideas for how you should be spending your money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, or you have a guy who who just have never seen that money. Most of us haven't. Right. Even right. if like you know your parent might have had some money to the side. Right. You've never seen that much money at once, and it's like wow, and this so check is coming you, next week too. How do you expect? Oh wow, this who's check never comes the following much. week. Yeah. You know, and you like think 17 weeks of the same check like. Right. Like, and you think what it's just going to keep coming and yeah, coming exactly. and coming. And, yeah. and you have guys who, you know, just, you're like, well, I'm going to get it next week. So, cool, boom. Go right. do what I do. Right, right. Um, so, quick question about, the to go off of what Malcolm said, the culture. Um, do you, we talked about Marshawn Lynch. We talked about you having conversations with Calvin Johnson. Um, how much of that those kinds of discussions happen, you know, in the locker room or, you know, at practice or whatever, specifically about managing your money and then also the next question that I actually have is uh, uh, actually scratch the first question okay. <laughs> the question I want to ask calling the audible I'll call it audible uh, Omaha okay. uh, 32.9 Blitz uh, so anyway how do how do how does it work when you have like you just said there were 17 players scheduled to make a million mm-hmm. and there's such a vast difference in what people are making and how the contracts are structured uh-huh. do players not talk about it at all in terms of like what this person's making versus what that person's making like what how does that work i mean it's subconsciously talked about okay like, i'm not gonna sit here and say oh i'm making x y and z you making this and we comparing each other right but in the, the day everyone knows who in the room is making what money absolutely or like i mean espn tells everybody so boom <laughs> last, so last year when philly was signing everybody right. i mean everybody knew right. i mean yeah. it, there was no hiding it so you saw some like hey congrats big money you know right. you just got paid that's just it that's yeah. it. and that's where it starts and stops yeah pretty much i mean you have uh Say like a young guy's in there, he just got some money, mm-hmm. and he's buying a bunch of stuff that's coming to the building. You know, you'll have vets be like, hey, now, what you, what you doing over there? Or like, <laughs> my coach in, in Detroit, he will like, like, do it to be funny, but at the same time, hey, what you buy this week? <laughs> where so where, where you go? Yeah, exactly. So like, you, you have some people who truly care and who are like worrying about it because they... They know that it, it can easily happen to anyone. Absolutely, absolutely. And just for our uh, audience that's watching, if you want to ask a question here to uh, Jerome, you can at us at mydm1. I have Twitter up now. If you have a question, please in 40, 140 characters or less ask the question. <laughs> um, Ten characters or less. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, we have about uh, 
12 minutes left in the show. Um, but before we move on, uh, we talked about earlier in the show the learning curve, or the, excuse me, the earning curve mm-hmm. of being a young athlete and then saving for the future. Can you, as much as you're comfortable, share with us like the plan that you have for yourself and like how you see yourself managing into the point where you, uh, you know, are retirement retiring or stepping away from the league? Okay. Well, uh, like generally, what's your what's your? I mean, approach? generally every year, whatever I'm earning, I set myself a certain goal okay. to what I want to do. So my my rookie year was say, okay, I wanted to have this much saved in the bank. Right. Once the season was over, that I didn't touch. Okay. The following year, I had another goal that I raised up a little more. Okay. So earlier, that, that's kind of like my small thing to do. Okay. But then you have your other avenues, like you, y'all talked about earlier, the four hundred one k. Right. You know, be smart, use that. I mean, right. we're one of the ones fortunate enough that you know they match that two to one. Oh. The NFL so does? why not take advantage of it? Oh. Yes, exactly. I didn't know that. Yeah. So you know, it's a fun fact. D. Smith okay. doing his job, man. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. You know. You know. They, they've. Uh, from what I've learned from when I from when I've gotten in the league to the lockout when they had the whole new right. CBA mm-hmm. situation, mm-hmm. things have advanced and have grown a lot from right. the previous one right. to where how much a pension was per year right. or uh, they have new things, severance now or grants to going back to school and you know right. certain how much money you have to use for a year. Um, so you can see the growth and the change that they're trying to make it better. And I tell you all the time, it's kind of almost set up now that if you're, you're fortunate enough to, you know, get those four years or plus years or, you know, get vested, as everyone would say, right. you know, you're fortunate to get a lot of benefits, you know, that it's kind of hard to really go broke unless, right. you, you know, you're living outside of your means, which means you're, you're living a life that you shouldn't be already be living. Right. And then you're, you know, you're, you're continuing that life after you graduated. Right. Absolutely. So it's like you kind of set yourself to a certain way already off the jump mm-hmm. and you carry that on. I feel like you'll be fine regardless. Okay. So because you're saying you have to actually put in work actively to be broke and people <laughs> right, still figure right, right, out a way to, right to, now, yes. to make it. Okay. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's set to where you get a certain amount of money mm-hmm. so, so often after you retire. Okay. So it's like it's kind of said that you know back in the day it was once you retired you got a certain amount of money after you retired mm-hmm. and you had to wait until you was fifty nine and a half right. to get that four hundred one k. Right. Now there are smaller things now that's put in place that if you're fortunate to get those benefits, you know, it kind of like helps you out now. Right. Okay. And if you're right. smart about what you've earned already from the beginning, you should already be okay regardless. And now you're just adding on. Then if you're smart enough to you know do some investments and everything along those lines, you know you you're kind of like bringing in extra income already. Mm-hmm. So. You can't bank on just the income you're making as a player. Here's a question I have for you real quick, just mm-hmm. about Glover Quinn when you were in Detroit. Because okay. I know he's like his goal is to like double his income every single year yeah. from investing in the market. Yeah. Does any of that kind of rub off when you're uh, with somebody like that? Like, are you, you Yeah, know, definitely. Yeah, okay. I mean, you learn a lot of things from certain guys like him off the field. Even like, you know, simplest thing is like investing yourself as your body. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. taking care of you know your business because in the day you're your own individual business and yourself within the NFL. Right. So you know that's probably was the biggest adjustment that I made coming into the league. I mean, when you're younger, you're 17, 18, 19, you can run around, you can barely stretch, and you'll right. feel just fine. You you know you're good. But when you, you know you get to this next level, your body's getting older. You know all the miles are starting to add up. You know <laughs> you have to start. You know the smaller things is like you know going to get massages or going to get acupuncture, right. uh, going down the street to district cryo or. Right. Um, you know, going to get my feet done. Right. You know, right. <laughs> you know, at the end of so, the day, I need those for everything I do in football. So, that's a good so, place you know, to, going to, to get my feet so, rolled so, once so, a week, why not? So, Jerome, real quick, <laughs> before we go to our last music break for the show, uh, in 30 seconds, uh-huh. like, after the NFL, what's next for you? Do you know yet? Have you started thinking about that? It's still a question mark. You know, it's, it's some some options. Uh, 
I could always go back and go to, you know, take some classes over and go to PT school if I wanted to. Okay. Um, my high school, my college coach, actually, and my high school coach say all the time, they think that eventually at some point I want to probably do coaching okay. or some type of mentorship in the community. So, yeah, some options. I, I don't have one pinpoint yet. Excellent. But, you know, we're working on it. But the the pot is on the stove. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah definitely. Very good. Well, we want to thank uh, Jerome Cuplin for coming in on Manage Your Damn Money today, talking to us about the business of the NFL and managing your money as a young player in the NFL. Um, we're going to take another quick music break from our uh, in-house producer, Mr. Beats by Beeman. And when we come back, we'll wrap up the show. Thank you, Jerome. Thank Thanks, you. Jerome, man. Good to have you on. I appreciate it. Thank you. We're back here on Manage Your Damn Money. That was an excellent, insightful conversation with awesome. Jerome. <laughs> Don't do that again. Huh? I'm just going to do it to the end of the show. <laughs> uh, we want to thank all of you guys for watching who are there. Of course, if you are not able to watch live, you can always uh, listen to the podcast. This will be turned into a podcast, and, which is available on iTunes. Just search Manage Your Damn Money on iTunes, or you can search us on SoundCloud, or you can find us on SoundCloud.com backslash Manage Your Damn Money. You can also follow my co-host Malcolm on Twitter and Instagram Malcolm on money you can follow myself at mydm1 and you can find us on Facebook of course at facebook.com backslash manage your damn money if you want to know any other information about what we do or what we've done you can visit us at www.manageyourdamnmoney.com and with that we've come to the end of this our third live show and we're still not canceled and we're still not canceled yet so we're doing something right we must be doing something right we're doing something all right so uh we Thank you once again for watching, and we will be here 6 p.m. Eastern next Monday, and we'll be talking about something about money. Until then, peace. Peace.